960, The Fan. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Well, here we are reacting to another frustrating Calgary Flames loss as uh, they drop another one to the Montreal Canadiens. 4-2 ends up being the final. A lot of coverage on this one today here on Hockey Central at noon. We will have Eric Francis Fridays and, of course, P. Labardius in a matter of moments. Your texts always welcome. 960-960. Some frustration from Flames fans after last night. Let's break it all down with Peter Labardius. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. I just think we lack some emotion. It's, uh, you need to have, uh, you got to be invested emotionally in games. And I mean, when, when that's lacking, it's, uh, it's tough to get momentum. Uh, that's Sean Monaghan's version of throwing a chair across the room and, and flipping a table over as uh, he speaks of emotion for the, the Calgary Flames. Uh, Lou, we were wondering what kind of response the, the Flames would have coming out of that two-game series against Toronto. Um, I, I don't think that they wanted to be having the emotion conversation again, but uh, here we are. No, they didn't, Peter. However, I love this subject today. I love, I love the subject and where we're going to go with it today. So let's get back to the game just for a minute. Mm-hmm. So the first four, first four or five minutes, you'd probably agree. They started on time. They had good shifts. Um, Josh Levo and the Lindholm line with Matthew Kachuk put together some good scoring chances. And a penalty changed the game. And the Montreal Canadiens on two power play goals took a two to nothing lead. Now, because the hockey team is on a three game losing streak, and because we've had this discussion before, we have to be a little bit careful about putting all our eggs in one basket. Here's what I mean. Have we not this season seen this team play poor periods? In fact, we saw a pretty poor period and a great period for the Toronto Maple Leafs in the game before, did we not? Yes, we did. We did. But was the response, and has the response, whether it was the first period in the one game against Vancouver... And while it wasn't systematically or necessarily the way they had to play against Toronto in terms of having season-long success, were we having that they didn't have a pushback or show enough emotion conversation? No, we weren't. So if we're going to be angry and upset about a lack of pushback, and listen, watching the game, analyzing the game, breaking it down after, Peter, I might might have a bit of a good feel about passion, emotion, and intensity. 
So we're going to get to that in just a second. But first, let's hear from Jeff Ward. And what I was most interested in is when the game swung, and let's add one caveat. The Montreal Canadiens, they played Montreal Canadiens hockey and defended about as well last night as you could. Here's Jeff on how his team did when the game really turned and got difficult. Well, I mean, you know, you have to take the ice where it's available. And if that means you have to get into a situation where you're, you're putting the puck behind, I thought tonight that, you know, for a lot of the game in the second period and for long stretches in the game and at other points, I thought, you know, the defense were able, their defense were able to play with the puck in front of them an awful lot. And, uh, you know, when ice is available, not in front, but behind, you got to get the puck there and then you got to be prepared to win the races and win the battles to, you know, to get pucks back and, and play in the offensive zone. So, you know, there's always ice available on the rink, but you got to understand where it is and you got to be prepared to go to the dirty areas to, to win battles and win pucks to, you know, in order to generate offense. And, And the Montreal Canadiens, they didn't outskill. They didn't overwhelm like we watched the Toronto Maple Leafs do, like even in a period we watched the Vancouver Canucks do. The Montreal Canadiens smothered the Calgary Flames with attention to detail and playing the right way and the more consistent you are allows you to set the way you want your team to play now let's let's again not to make excuses and that is not in any way shape or form my point but this team is trying to grow they're trying to do different in fact over the years We've seen a lot of different players and a lot of different pieces, and we've seen a lot of the same players and the same pieces. So, yes, last night at about 8 o'clock, if you're a Flames fan, if you're a Flames player, if you are Brad Treleving, John Bean, to a sense, the whole world felt like it probably collapsed. You know what the beauty is? It didn't. In fact, despite last night, I still see far, far more good than bad. And in fact, the next part of the conversation is this. In our worlds, we all want it easy. We want buy-in. We want to be on a team. Peter, you're married, right? Yes. I'm married and have been more than once, which might speak to my emotion and passion and intensity and ability to sell what I'm looking for as much as it can be on the other side of the equation. We all want what's best for us. This team wants what's best. And regardless 
of whether you're a highly emotional, intense player or whether you are a sit-back, you don't show a lot of emotion, let's not confuse the fact that that doesn't mean that they don't care. Let's not completely go there. Because what I've learned as a very intense, emotional, passionate person and cares deeply about buy-in is that until you get to know and understand exactly A, what you're selling, B, what you want people to buy, and C, what it is you stand for, the goalposts are always going to move. So with general managers, coaches, and let's even go back a week ago, Peter, let's go back to Pierre-Luc Dubois for a second and Patrick Laine. It is just fine that those parties decided, decided that for whatever reason, Winnipeg, Columbus, their teammates, the money they're getting paid didn't suit them. Fine. We all want the best for us. But winning in sports is not about individuals. It's about team. And last night, as hard as it was, is an opportunity for the Calgary Flames to go. That hurts. It's going to hurt everybody in that room a little bit differently. None of us feel the exact same way emotionally. None of us. None of us. But the trick is now, it's easy to be a good and close team when it's easy. Or in a sense, sometimes, when we're pretending. Or we don't get close enough to people to know their story or we don't find ourselves vulnerable enough to share our own. This is about taking a moment in a season, early in a season, and learning about one another, taking the emotional people with the not-so-emotional people, and getting to middle ground and being the best they can be as a team. Because in life, we all want to be on a team. And I don't give a rat's you-know-what in a world there where at times you can't win without the stars. you got to have the stars. And it's, and it's the best guys. No, it's the right best guys. And the right best guys are not only driven by their own accomplishments, They care desperately about others around them in an attempt to be the best team. 
And th this whole conversation kind of reminds me of um, uh, a little over a year ago, I guess now, when uh, Jeff Ward was still an assistant coach with the, the Calgary Flames, and he was chatting with you guys in the hot stove lounge, and he was saying, like, this isn't a, a coaching thing anymore. Th this is a, the players in that room need to get it going. And th that is something that, that I have kind of come to the conclusion of. I, I am not going to look at one, oh, well, the coach has lost the blah, 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 blah. Like, no, 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 no. We've done that four times here now this is a these players need to figure this out this is a in that room there needs to be accountability and there needs to be a okay what do we do there is not going to be a coach that walks through that door that's going to fix this if those guys don't really get on board with that and so I think this is where uh, an early season indication of where this group is at because all they have to do right now is just sit and stew on this one right like they're they're not going out in Montreal and having the time of their lives as they normally would be doing in Montreal everyone's just sitting in their own hotel room thing <laughs> to, to steal a parenting line thinking about what they've done and so now now is the time where this group really shows us i think lou what they are made of and how they are able to bounce back from this it's one game so let's not take it to a terrible place right might it be a turning point for the team sure did we not go through a somewhat similar situation, albeit different, when the Pittsburgh Penguins came to town one night early in October or late in October and handed the Flames a 9-1 loss? What did they do with that? They definitely they went on from a that good one. run. Yeah. They went on a great they went on a great run. Because we want easy you have to see the value in the hard. And there's great value in nights like last night for your team. But only if you have the ability to see it through other people's eyes, through your own teammates' eyes. Yeah, okay, maybe this guy's not all in the same way I am. Maybe he's not motivated. Maybe he doesn't react the same way I do. Let's not confuse the fact that that automatically means that you don't care. We all care. They don't, you will never convince me. There was one guy in that room that went, man, let's, let's throw that on the table again Saturday night. That feels <laughs> awesome. Not one. Mm -hmm. So let's not forget that. And as far as coaches are concerned, Coaches in this day and age, and yes, I've been so blessed. Peter, you and I talked about this this morning in preparation for the show. So fortunate to spend a whole life around high-level coaches, GMs, owners, great teammates, worked in every different market. But the hard part is in the building the team. And it's hard for all of us. But you're right. The one thing I'm completely in agreement with is, like, there are some nights I get, you know, we can get so mad at the people we love. You know, Nance and I have a bit of a joke because she's hard. She's really hard. And I find myself very attracted to people who challenge the daylights out of me. And here's the difference. I'm the emotional, intense, passionate one, 
And generally, the most important people in my life are highly intelligent, highly thought of, collected, and pragmatic. You don't think I haven't been ready to throw my hat more often than not? Oh, yes, I have. (laughs) And I'll continue to some days. But the beauty in it, just like the beauty in a sense with this team is when you hit a crossroad, when you see it different than the guy sitting beside you in the stall. In our own way, have we asked the question, is it about us? Because we all want it to be about us. Or are we doing enough in terms of being better as a team? And I know that's long-winded. That's my usual way. That's how I think, and I've never thought that way more. And it's one of the reasons, and you can change my mind, because I remember the night vividly in Vancouver, British Columbia, where I thought John Tortorella was out of his marbles. What is this guy doing? Who could play for this guy? And that, you know, he's not the friendliest guy on the outside. He's incredibly passionate. He's incredibly intense. So then I had the opportunity in my travels to be around some questions because I'm fascinated by people. And to be frank, I'm fascinated by emotional, intense people. Probably more than anything. And I found out something completely different found out yeah there's a reason John Tortorella has been an excellent coach John Tortorella's goalposts don't move he's emotional he's intense he absolutely demands and wants the best of himself and other people around him And is that easy for everyone? No, no, it sure isn't. In fact, I know it isn't. Because I've seen the reaction being emotional and impassioned and intense. And it gets frustrating for the other side, and it gets frustrating for yourself. Mm -hmm. But do we ever wonder really what John Tortorella stands for? Nope. Did John Tortorella show us last week with Pierre-Luc Dubois that does he not care more about the Columbus Blue Jackets and who's buying into the program or maybe the fact that one player is disgruntled? Now, did he have a part in potentially the reason? Yes. But John Tortorella, I truly believe, and it's also the intel I've had, has a standard, he lives by the standard, it's why he's been coaching for so long and well, and he believes in team. And while I, like him, don't do it great all the time, I believe that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and just one thing on torts before we get to the, the mailbag and it, it does tie in with the flames. So just bear with me for a quick second, but, um, my, mine and his paths crossed, uh, at the, the three letter network, uh, out, uh, out in Toronto when I was working there for a couple of years. And uh, I was able to, to work specifically with him, uh, on a couple of occasions. I'd like, don't ask him about me. He wouldn't know who I was, but, um, I, I noticed like, very, like, again, takes things very seriously but if you screw up, that's fine. If you make the same mistake again, that's where we start to have problems. Like, all you have to do is your job, and it's fine. And that's where I think some of the frustration comes with the, this Calgary Flames team, where it's like, if it was a different thing every night, oh, well, it's that. Oh, it's that. It's fine. Um, but I think the frustration for a lot of people is it, it kind of comes down to just put out that consistent effort, effort every time. Like we talked about with that first Leafs loss, they played fantastic and lost. That's going to happen. That is sports. That is life. Sometimes you can play 110% and the puck bounces off of someone's butt and it goes into the net and damn, you lost. And I think that's where the frustration is, where if you put that out there every night, we will take the results all the time. It's just that it's not quite getting there every single night that I think is kind of the frustration. You know where, you know where my frustration, even at its hardest, stops with the Calgary Flames is because hmm. I believe in the key people because I've seen what Jeff Ward is about. I've seen what Ryan Huska and that coaching staff is about. I've seen how Brad Treleving has reacted in some of the most difficult times a general manager and a team could ever go through, i.e. last November. When you care about people, you have a chance to get to better places, especially if you take the time to get to know them. But is it easy? No. Is tying three people together in a team easy? No. Is tying yourself and your significant other together a lot of days, is it easy? But I believe. And it might take some hard decisions to continue to grow. But I see now more than I ever have the value in the process. And it's about people. And they're not always going to get it right, just like us. They're going to make some mistakes. They're going to pick the right side. They're going to pick the wrong side. And it's all about getting to a better place. And when you invest in other people, the greatest lesson I've learned, you'll get back. You'll get back. Chatting with Peter Labardius, uh, it is now time as we wind down the week. Uh, it is now time for Lose Mailbag. Lose Mailbag, brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, Calgary's best steakhouse located in the heart of downtown. Looking forward to celebrating with you again soon. Go Flames, go. Talk about getting to a better place. Few places better than Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Uh, and uh, Pat by Mulho. the way, I loved your, I've never heard you, yeah. I've never no, heard I... the Tortorella story. I loved it. I oh, loved yeah, the that Tortorella was... story. 
That was as intimidated as, and I've been intimidated many a time, um, but that is as intimidated <laughs> as I was uh, the, the first time oh, yeah. going in there. And just like, again, like if you screwed up, it, it's it, it's whatever. Uh, luckily, I'm perfect, so that was fine. But uh, no, he was awesome to work with. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and uh, what you're right. And what else is awesome is, is Tim Collins and the people at Roos Chris. What a pro. You want to talk about a beautiful standard of dining. Oh, yeah, absolutely exquisite. And Pat Mulhall will be enjoying that firsthand with a $100 gift card. Uh, the question that he asks today, uh, Lou, what do you think is Sam Bennett's problem? Do you think that he should go to a different team or can our coaches help him? I think he is very talented, but just hasn't found his niche with the Flames. That's a terrific question, and we've had all kinds of Sam Bennett conversations. I, I'd like to give a definitive answer, but with Sam, for me personally, it's hard to give a definitive answer because there, there's a lot of in the middle with Sam, and what I mean by that is in the playoffs in particular, and this is kind of low-hanging fruit, you know, we see the absolute best in Sam. And my guess would be for Sam, that potentially puts a lot of money in his bank account. But there are times on the other side of the equation where you go long stretches of seeing Sam where his account gets drawn from and he ends up in a lot of eyes at a zero balance. So again, as the whole hit has been about for Sam and it's not easy because again, we all want to be utilized. We all want to, we all want people when we're at our best, don't we all want people to see us at our best? It's like kind of what bugs me about social media. You know, everybody, it's easy to throw out there, you know, our new car or our great trip or all the best stuff. I don't see a lot of people sharing all the bad stuff. Yet, it's learning from the bad stuff as yesterday, and I know it's an important subject for you, and it's an important subject for me, mental health. Again, like our whole hit. It becomes about mindset and and that there's great value in the struggle and what's hard. And I think Sam is still working that out. So may, may he need a new address at some point? Sure. May, may he turn the corner with the Calgary Flames? Yes. We've seen lots of reasons. Probably the playoffs are the reason he's still here. So while he doesn't maybe see that as a big win for him, that's a big win for him. So how do you kind of marry that mindset together to be better and more consistent, whether it's regular season, preseason, or postseason? Yeah, he is... Certainly, because it's it really is quite the, the the summary for everything that we've talked about. Because when he's going well, 
it goes really well. And when he's not, oh. it really doesn't. Oh yeah. Um, and and if you could just if you just get more of that well, everyone would be uh, very much on board. Um, so yeah, I think that was a good way to, to summarize things. Uh, and a great question from Pat, and he is going to be celebrating that great question with yeah, a one hundred dollar awesome. gift card to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse to use when they reopen. That, ladies and gentlemen, was Lou's mailbag. Lou's mailbag brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. When you hear the sizzle of the best steak in town. You can't help but get excited. And at Ruth's Chris, they can't wait to celebrate with you again soon. Go Flames! Lou, I have no idea what the Flames are going to present us with on Saturday, but uh, I know that I'm looking forward to breaking whatever it is down on Monday. Have a great weekend, and uh, thanks everybody for for listening. Today's version was the mailbag and the letters and the construction and all of it. Have a great weekend, everybody. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. All right, uh, plenty more Flames discussion to come as we continue on. It is Eric Francis Fridays. The Calgary Flames making a change in goal. The result didn't necessarily change, uh, but what did we make of that situation? Eric Francis joins us next. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Continue to dissect Flames Habs from last night in Montreal as Calgary Falls four to do uh, four to two a scoreline made uh, a bit more flattering by the last minute and change of that hockey game. Uh, it is now time for our Friday staple. It is Eric Francis Friday, and we bring in the man that this is named after, Eric Francis. Mister Francis, how are you today, sir? I'm good, PK. How are you doing, bud? I'm doing all right. Uh, the, the one thing about this team is they never give us a, a shortage of, of things to talk about. That's uh, that, that's for sure. Uh, before we get into it, I should remind everyone that uh, Francis Fridays brought to you by Hyatt Infinity. Save up to $15,000 on the 2020 QX80 Hyatt Infinity Heritage Meadows Road on Luxury Lane. Um, the, the Flames not necessarily living on Luxury Lane after the, the last couple of games. Uh, before we get too far into to some of the specifics, uh, I guess just your overall takeaway from uh, last night's Habs-Flames game? Well, you know, it certainly sounds like the players are pretty demoralized uh, over the fact that, you know, they thought they played a really good first period, and yet they walked away down 2-0. Um, and even in, the, even in the second, I think they felt relatively, you know, okay with the way they were playing until that third goal went in and kind of broke their spirits. But, uh, you know, disappointing to hear from the players after the game last night that, they think that the emotional uh, level that the players were at was unacceptable. I mean, that's, that's hard for a fan to hear that perhaps the players weren't into it enough. Um, that's pretty tough to hear and, and disconcerting. But also, you know, you also had a bit of puck luck. And, hey, I, I mean, I hate to just chalk it up to luck, and I'm certainly not suggesting they lost because of luck last night. I don't think they were anywhere close to the better team. Uh, really at any point in the game. Uh, but, you know, Yusuf Alamaki just had a nightmarish night with Nesterov, and, the, you know, it just seemed like they couldn't do anything right. So first three goals were pretty much all on them. Um, and, you know, add in a couple of bad bounces, a, a, a tough call on Valamaki, a deflection that was going wide. 
that he tips into his own net. Um, you know, and then add it to the fact that Valimaki, I think, was chiefly responsible for the game-winning goal against Toronto. Uh, it's a tough goal. But, again, I'm not down on Valimaki. I think the guy's going to be a number one defenseman in this league within two years. Um, anyway, in short, you asked about what I took away from the game is tough night for Valimaki, good learning experience, maybe a good learning experience for the team. And uh, they revealed today, I asked them if they'd had a team meeting because I felt like it was probably time for them to do so. Indeed, they did have a team meeting to talk about their feelings. And then they went out, out, went out and had a practice where the goal was to be lighthearted. They had a shootout at the end. There was lots of laughter and they turned the page. So we'll see how well they turn the page uh, because things don't get a whole lot easier for them moving forward with another game in Montreal then three against a pretty, uh, you know, pretty hot Winnipeg team. It's, it's going to be, it's an uphill climb for the Flames. And one of the people who I like, genuinely felt bad for last night was David Riddick, because four goals does not make the, the stat line look all that awesome for David Riddick. But you go back and watch them, and I don't really put, that Toffoli one was weird. But uh, for the most part, I don't yeah. put any of last night on, on David Riddick. And for a guy who had his number one spot, or at least a 1A, 1B spot, kind of get a wrench thrown into those plans when you go out and sign a guy who everyone's calling your franchise goalie. This was his first opportunity to really show something. And then he just has like the worst luck a person could have in between the pipes. I, I genuinely felt bad for him last night. Well, it's funny. And I agree with you. Like that was the tone of the piece I wrote after the game last night. Like 326 days ago was his last NHL start. Now between 326 days ago and now right smack dab in the middle we recall the only other time we've seen David Riddick which was when he was absolutely thrown to the wolves uh, against Dallas in a three-all game in an absolutely impossible situation we've rehashed that move over and over and I was highly critical of Jeff Ward for putting him in a no-win situation now fast forward to last night you're playing against the hottest team in the NHL in their home opener this team has scored almost five goals a game this year, the second leading scoring team in the NHL, and the team has just lost two tough ones in a row. I would suggest that he was being thrown to the Wolves once again. Now, that's, that's the gig for a backup goalie. You're going to get thrown to the Wolves a lot. And so I'm not blaming Ward. I'm not saying it was the wrong time. I agreed with playing him last night, but it did nothing for his confidence moving forward. He's now lost five in a row dating back to last season when he really struggled at the end of the year. Um, and, and no, this wasn't on him at all, but you know that he feels not, you can't feel good about a game like that. The Toffoli goal was a bad one on him, but by then the game was over and the flames had given up. Um, yeah. no, I, I don't put any of those first three goals on David Riddick, but I, I do worry about what this means moving forward. I think it puts even more pressure on him for when they put him in either for the first or second game against Winnipeg next week. And you know, that's going to happen. And I'm glad at least he'll get a chance soon to try and atone for, you know, another bad outing for the team in front of him. On kind of the, the same subject of guys who we haven't seen a whole lot this year, what would you do on the blue line? This is back-to-back kind of rough outings for, for Nesterov and, uh, like you said, a, a tough one for, for Yusuf Alamaki as well. I'm not saying bench Nesterov because he's terrible, but could this be an opening for Oliver Shillington to, to get into the lineup on Saturday? You know, I, I thought the same thing this morning. I was thinking about that. Um, 
you got a second pairing that's playing lights out. Hannah Finn and Tana have not allowed a goal this year on five on five. That's pretty impressive. Uh, the top pairing, you know, the, you're not worried about them. Uh, but yeah, they just said in the Zoom call, I just got off the call with the players and the coach, and, you know, they said one of the most important things after a night like that for uh, young Valamaki is to get him right back out there. So there, there'll be no benching for Yusuf Valamaki. Uh, you know, there's no tough love following a night like that. There was some bad luck involved in the call. It was a questionable call that he got whistled on that led to the first goal. And then the other thing is the one that was deflected in off his stick, should we not be giving him credit for him going out and attempting to block a Shea Weber shot? I mean, <laughs> how many guys in the league want to block a Shea Weber shot? This guy's 22 years old, and he's standing up and going out to block a Shea Weber shot. No one's giving him credit for that. I get it because it deflected in off his own net, even though it was going wide. It backfired, but the point is, the guy's gamer. He's a gamer, and you're going to see him in that lineup continually because this guy's going to be a top defenseman in the league. There's no doubt in my mind um, that was a bad night. And I also, I'll go further, because that duo was, you know, maybe you replace Nestorov, but that's the other thing about that is that guy, that guy's an NHLer. I mean, there's no question he's an NHLer. He lost his tooth early in the day, earlier in the day, and he goes out and has a really rough night. I don't think you put in Shillington yet. I thought about it, but then I think, no, I don't think so. They don't trust Shillington the way they trust those other two guys. So I don't think you'll see it. Um, the other thing I'll go back, and, and I don't want to pile on, but, you know, just adding to how tough a, a goal it's been for Val Mackey, I give him – I think he was chiefly responsible for the Leafs game winner the day before with, he, with, a, with a horrific attempt to clear the puck that was gobbled up, and next thing you know, it's in the net. So he's in a bit of a rough goal right now. Um, but uh, they're, they're going to see this through. He's too good not to. That uh, Valimaki going out to, to block the Weber shot, that, that's one where I kind of want all of them to be wearing those fitness trackers to see the heart rate, because that thing would have been at like 220. <laughs> when you see who it is on the other end of that, like you're on the, the working end of a Shea Weber barrel, it's like, yeah, that must be like 225. Yeah, not, not something that many guys would want to do. I know I'd be pulling the old Flamingo, or at least the, the oh, parachute. Yeah. But, uh, you know, good on him. He stood in there and it just backfired. That's all. <laughs> Chatting with Eric Francis here on Francis Fridays on Hockey Central at noon. Uh, Dylan Dubé's and, uh, return is very much anticipated by this fan base right now. Uh, I can't imagine they're going to just be like, oh, yeah, he's totally playing. Like, we'll, we'll get that game time decision thing until he's in the lineup. Um, I guess my, my question about it is how do you think that he'll be utilized when he comes back? Well, we've seen a number of different combinations just in the time that he's been gone. Is there kind of a, a perfect fit that you see for Dubé right now? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, this guy belongs on that top line. I think he compliments Kachuk and Lindholm tremendously. And ever since he's been off that line, that line has done very little five on five. And I don't think it's a coincidence. I mean, the easy replacement was Majapani on that top line, but then that takes away from the effectiveness of the Michael Backlund's third line. So anyway, long story short, there's no other place for Dylan Dubé than the top line. If you look at that right side where the team is absolutely, it's their most glaring weakness. He is so far above and beyond everybody else on that right side. Um, he needs to be on that top line. No questions asked when he does come back. And I do think he'll come back tomorrow night. Um, it's one of the biggest problems facing this team right now is, you know, 
filling out the rest of the roster without Dubé in it, even with Dubé in it, they can't seem to figure out who's going to fit best with Gaudreau and Monaghan. They can't seem to figure out who's best to fit on that third pairing. Like, they really need Josh Levo or Dominic Simone, one of the two, to step up and basically assert themselves as a fixture on one of those lines. Uh, so far, it's not working out. I mean, Josh Levo has been yeah. abysmal. And Dominic Simone, at least, they're sticking with him on that uh, Gaudreau Monaghan line. Um, and, you know, and for better or worse, I- I'm seeing signs, but uh, still no significant, uh, you know, no significant contributions from Simone that I've seen. So, um, and Josh Lebo, maybe we need to be a little, you know, give him a bit of a break. It's been, you know, well, you know, it's been a long, long time since he played hockey prior to this because his knee blew up. Uh, but, uh, you know, they need him to get together real soon and, and start making an impact. That's it kind of ties in with my last question for you today. Um, we are still at the point in the schedule where if this were a regular year, this amount of games played would still be preseason. How do you uh, kind of balance um, uh, assessing these games while also understanding like, hey, there's only 40 something games left. Like what we while it is early, it ain't that early with how this season is structured. Yeah, it's quite a balance, right? I mean, the coach said today the most important thing is to keep everything in perspective. Uh, but the fact that the players had a players-only meeting already uh, speaks to, you know, the concern. I mean, because if three games turns into five-game losing streaks, that's when you can lose your season. Three-game losing streaks, most teams in the league are going to have them this year. It's just the way it's going to be. There's so much parity in the league, especially in that North Division. But when you look at the schedule, and they play Montreal again Saturday, and then they play a pretty hot Jets team three in a row after that, then they came, come home and play at Battle of Alberta. Like, the only respite is that three spot in the bingo card that those Ottawa games, boy, could they use a double or triple shot of the Ottawa centers right now, but it's still a month away, unfortunately for the flames until they play the senators. So um, the schedule doesn't get easier. Uh, you know, these guys, I think are in a little, they're a little shell shocked right now because they felt like they've had some really good periods over the last three games and have come out losers in all three. And prior to that, they felt pretty good about their start three games in when they went into the break uh, without a regulation loss. So um, they do need to get, get their act together pretty soon. Uh, no need to panic after three games, but after four or five, then you got a real problem. It's going to be an interesting one for sure. And like you said, it's never going to stop being interesting with this North division this year. Eric, always fun, man. Thanks for doing this. And we'll chat again next week. Have a good weekend, PK. You as well. There is uh, Eric Francis on Francis Fridays, brought to you by Hyatt Infinity. Lease a 2020 QX80 for $5.99 semi-monthly at 0% for 18 months. Hyatt Infinity, Heritage Meadows Road on Luxury Lane. Uh, Eric just talked about the Ottawa Senators. The, the Sens certainly do a struggling team good. We will break that down coming up next. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Winding down the Friday edition of the uh, of Hockey Central at noon here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan was definitely going to call it the big show. That's coming up in 10 minutes where we kick off the show with Corey Sarich today. We will also hear from the head coach of the Calgary Flames as uh, they've been meeting with the media 
in the way that they do now over the last few moments. So we will be uh, catching up on those conversations as the day rolls along. Do quickly want to look at last night in the NHL as we uh, welcome Logo into the program today. And Logo, I don't know if we can take much from the Canucks-Ottawa Senators' little three-game stint that they just had. Um, Certainly, I don't think we can take much from a Vancouver perspective because that's kind of what you're supposed to do at Ottawa. But for the Sens, I was completely wrong on this team. I I thought that at least... And look, again, it is early for sure. But I thought that they would at least make teams work to beat them as bad as the Canucks have beat them the last three games. But there was nothing there for the the Ottawa Senators. I thought they'd be kind of the the spoiler role in this whole thing. Uh, So far, I have been proved very, very wrong. They look just as bad as people thought they were going to look. Yeah, and you'd think there'd be some sort of pushback from them after taking it in the teeth twice from Vancouver. There just didn't seem to be any of that, and it's surprising because I did. I was with you. I thought they had a good off season, not to the point that they were a contender by any means, but you would have at least thought they would put up more of a fight than they have this season. But when you're scoring one goal a game and giving up four, five, six, seven goals, I mean at some point it's just, you know, we're going to stop taking you seriously. And that's sort of where, where Ottawa is after eight games to have one win on the season for the Sens. It's, it's been a, a terrible start and maybe we've all been guilty of giving them too much credit this off season. Yeah. And that's the, that, that is the part that I'm getting hung up on is that they made, they had such a smart off season. I thought like, I, I really thought they made some really, really good moves and I guess, like, I still thought they were going to be bad, but I thought they were going to be improved. And I think I focused too much on the improved and not enough on the bad. Like, they, they've scored one fewer goals than the Flames have, and they've played two more games. Uh, and also in that time, they've allowed 19 more goals than the Flames have. Like, it's not that they're losing, because we all knew they were going to lose this year. But that was a Canucks team that was struggling mightily. Like, even after kicking the teeth in for the Sens this whole time... Their uh, Vancouver's goal differential is now zero. So that wasn't a red-hot Canuck team uh, that the Sens were rolling into. That was a Canuck team that was looking for any kind of a life preserver, and the Sens just gave it to them. So I, I expected the Sens to lose, but it's just in the style in which they are losing that I was not expecting even a little bit. No, and we'll have to see how they, if they can turn it around. I mean, the veterans, I think, on that team need to to come together because it's for me, it's too early to blame. You know, I'm not going to get on the Brady Kachucks of the world or the Tim Stutzla's. Those are kids that are still learning and growing as, as NHLers. But I thought when you bring in Derek Stepan and Evgeny Dadanoff, you know, those kind of guys to help supplement that roster and sort of give them some balance that there'd be more fight back. And there just hasn't been. And that's, you know, really, not a good look for them and that's not how you want to to build your young core going forward you don't want to make this a uh a standard for yourself not that anybody looks at this and thinks that was that was you know good enough I mean they look they won opening night against Toronto back on the 15th they haven't won a game since Mm -hmm. that's not good enough 
No, it's not. And that that what you brought up there is the exact, I think, key point in this whole thing. And that is it's something we've talked about before, establishing that culture for your young players. Um, I, I don't know if Derek Stepan's going to be in Ottawa when they're good again. Probably not. But they're hoping that Thomas Shabbat and Tim Stutzla and uh, Brady Kachuk, they're hoping they are there when they're good again. And you don't want them having this to be okay too. Like that, you you don't want this to be the standard that they need to have set for them. So they need to turn that around out there. I think uh, pretty quickly. Another team that I want to get to before we hit the top of the hour and get to Corey Sarge to start the big show. The Dallas Stars have played four games in the NHL. That is less than everybody. Uh, they now are twentieth in the league in scoring. How crazy there are, including the Flames. 11 teams the Stars have more goals than, and nobody's played fewer games than Dallas. They put up a 7 spot against Detroit last night for a a 7-3 win. I kind of thought this would be a Stars team that would just kind of not fade away, but I thought this would be a Stars team that would kind of come back to the pack a little bit. Maybe just a couple extra days rest help them or what, but holy crap, the Dallas Stars are just an offensive juggernaut right now. And without Tyler Sagan, they've missed, uh, even during all this, there's no Ben Bishop. Uh, Jamie Ben has missed some time. I believe uh, Rupe Hintz didn't play last night. Um, Yes, it was Detroit, but that's the second seven spot they've put up this year. They started the year off beating Nashville 7-0. Maybe, you know, uh, I don't want to say that the COVID delay was a good thing, but maybe they've turned it into more of a positive and that extra time, you know, maybe helped them, them pick things up a bit and be a bit uh, ahead of the pack. I mean, Joe Pavelski's really impressed this season. He's at nine points already through four games. Like that's an unbelievable pace. You know, that's like, you know, better (laughs) than his years in, in San Jose when we were talking about that. And it's interesting because I think if the playoffs showed anything for Dallas, it's that they have these young guys um, coming up. And maybe for whatever reason, just maybe because we don't see them a ton or whatever it is. But, I mean, we don't spend a lot of time talking about Rupe Hints or Dennis Gurianoff. And then you look on the back end and all of a sudden you start realizing, you know, along with John Klingberg, all of a sudden there's Miro Heiskin in there. And there's a pretty good nucleus of guys there to support an aging Jamie Ben and to go along with a Tyler Sagan. And for whatever reason, they're just not one of those teams that's front of mind. But if they keep playing like this, I mean, you mentioned there's 20th in the league in scoring. I mean, Joe Pavelski leads the league in power play points Jeez. in four games. <laughs> that's ahead of McKinnon. That's ahead of Dreisaitl and McDavid. Like that's pretty impressive. They're, uh, Kadobin leads the league in goals against and save percentage. This is a team that if they keep up some of that momentum and how they learn to play in the bubble and in Edmonton and they can bring that on a night-to-night basis, that's a division that I think, you know, outside of Tampa Bay, Dallas has a good chance of, of really doing damage in. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. And I mean, look, they're they're not going to keep up a 4.7 goals per game uh, average. I mean, probably throughout the season. But this is this is still very much a team that needs to be taken very, very seriously. That was Logo from the Iconic Studio, powered by Iconic Electric and Controls. People first, it's Iconic. Visit IconicEC.ca to find out more. What 
can be done to fix what ails the Calgary Flames. A players-only meeting has been had. We'll chat with Corey Sarich uh, coming up next about what happens in those meetings and what needs to be said to the Flames as we start the big show coming up next.